Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour, Question Tuesday edition. Today on the show, we are going to answer the burning question of what is lemonade and then ask each other questions. Anna, do you know anything about this lemonade debate and do you feel like we're going to disagree? No, I don't think we are going to disagree, but I know everything about this debate. So funny. I can't believe this is a debate on the internet in 2016 about lemonade. Let's go ahead and get into the questions. On Twitter, Mark linked us to this debate about lemonade, and he wanted to know what is lemonade to both of us. This blew up on Tumblr because everybody in the world thinks that lemonade is fizzy, but Americans are like, no. Americans and Brazilians, as it just so happens. That's amazing. I am fascinated by this because people are going, no, no, here, lemonade is like Sprite. And I'm like, lemonade isn't Sprite, Sprite's a soda. Lemonade isn't a soda. So in Brazil, lemonade is lemon juice, right? It's lemon, water, sugar. Yeah. That's what I grew up drinking. I love lemonade, by, by the way. In Brazil, with the heat, cold lemonade is the best. Cool me moving to England, going to supermarket and seeing lemonade. And then, oh, oh my God. Lemonade, bottled lemonade, already ready for me to drink. And then you open the bottle, all of a sudden fizz, just like Sprite. So every, so if you go to a pub and you ask for lemonade, they will give you a glass of Sprite. The lemonade that we know it to be lemonade, they call it still lemonade or lemon juice. But simply lemonade, that's fizzy drink. That's Sprite, 7-Up, they are all lemonades. This is blowing my mind. The generic brand in the supermarkets that has, if it, if it has lemon and it's fizzy, that's lemonade here. But not in Brazil. Brazil, the place where things are right, with regards to this, lemonade is lemon juice. But I was very, very confused when I moved to England. I went basically to look up the origins of lemonade. And lemons come from India. Mm. I'm fascinated that lemons came from India and they spread around the world. They get to America and we juice them, put some water and some sugar with them and drink it as this summer drink. It's a summer drink here. In Brazil too. So that is super fascinating to me that you go to the other countries and ask for lemonade and they give you soda. I know. It's so wrong, right? You can walk into a restaurant here and be like, okay, bring me lemonade. And then they would bring you lemonade. The other person you're with could order Sprite. They'd bring them Sprite. Two totally different drinks. Mm-hmm. I agree. And like Sprite, Mellow Yellow, Mountain Dew, Sierra Mist, 7-Up. Those are lemon lime sodas. And they all taste different to me. I'm going to level up this question. So when you make a lemonade, what do you call a lemon? A lemon is like a little yellow fruit. Yeah, exactly. Not in Brazil. In Brazil, is the green one. Oh, you make limes. Okay, you use limes. For yeah. Limes. Well, we call them lemons. And we call the yellow ones limes. No, that's just backwards, Anna. That's just backwards. <laughs> Brazil is opposite. 
it's on the other it's on, it's in another it's another hemisphere so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna allow it i guess so that's what we use the the green one to make our lemonades. They taste too different. They taste different to me. Oh, they don't to me at all. And also, we have different varieties of lemons here. So you can get like regular lemons, I guess, and make lemonade. You can also get Myers lemons, which are sweet. They're like a. They're not sat. They're, they don't have that pucker to them. Oh. My mom uses Myers lemons actually because they're sweet mm. and they're not sour like lemons are. And they're actually made. I don't think I've ever actually had like limes and. Sugar and water together. I wonder what that... But limes and lemons taste different to me. So I don't know. Now I want to try it. I want to go get some limeade. Uh, although limeades at a restaurant that we have here called Sonic, it's a drive-in restaurant, ha- are carbonated. Oh. They're, they're made with Sprite. It's a terrible name. And there's those cherry limeades, which is like Sprite, some lime juice, and cherry flavoring. But if you ordered like a lemonade, they would still... It wouldn't be carbonated. It's just really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I've said fascinating like eight times so far, but I am <laughs> blows my mind how we have developed <laughs> these totally different recipes for this this fruit. The thing for me is what's more interesting is the difference between UK and US because you were the same ones, but I guess we don't talk about that. The UK has never known the American South. What do you mean? They owned the American South. But they did. They come here, though. My friend Susan, when I've invited her to come visit me, she'd be like, well, how hot's it going to be? And I would tell her. And she's like, nope. Like, because 40 to 45 C, I guess is what the people in the UK use, 40 to 45 C. That's normal for summer here. I'm just like, that's not that bad. I can handle that. But whatever. It's just normal. High. Very high. I just, this lemon thing is blowing my mind. It's just blowing my mind. So... I wish I could find the Tumblr thread where they're actually having this debate. The Tumblr thread was great, but I haven't been able to dig it up yet. If anybody's listening to this and they know where that thread is and they can give it to me, please send it to me ASAP. Mark, why did you have to ask this question? <laughs> I mean, I had to answer it now because it's irrelevant right now, but I'm having some problems processing. But for us, lemonade is it's a fruit juice and sugar and water. It's not fizzy. There's no carbonation involved. Yeah, exactly. But I bet there's tons of listeners who are going to be like, no, it's a fizzy drink. You guys are just wrong. The end. (music) Moving on from questions of what constitute lemonade. As we all know, our lovely Anna does so much in the book blogging community. She makes super great reviews and she organizes lots of posts on her blog. And she has a publishing company now where she publishes lots of diverse things by diverse authors. And she works a full-time job and she reads tons and she watches tons of TV and she just goes for it. She has a dream. She just goes for it. Mm. You should make a video like the Sheila Buff video, just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. That's you. <laughs> what is your advice for those of us who are terrified to live our dreams? That's a difficult question because whatever I say, it's not going to suit everybody. It suits me, obviously. I am not a big dreamer because I don't plan things. 
that's one of the things that maybe really frustrates my partner because he's a huge planner and he likes to look at the future in five-year plans and five-year blocks. And I'm like, if I know what I'm doing next week, that's too much for me. Maybe that's what helps me because... I don't make the plans and then I don't get bogged down by them or I don't get overwhelmed by them because to do everything that I have to do, if I had plans for everything, they would paralyze me probably because it would be too much. I have to do lists daily, sometimes weekly, but not much longer than that. I am more of a carpe the fuck out of the DM kind of person. Leave very much in the present. I am right here, right now, and I go with the flow. I that's that's so that's so true to me. I go with the flow. Things happen. It's like oh, I'm gonna ride this wave right here, right now. I have always been like that. I think I spoke about how I wanted to be an archaeologist, but when I couldn't, I just like decided on a whim what else I was gonna do. And that's that's how I have lived my life. I don't like planning. I don't like looking at the future and, and, and imagining or dreaming about the future. I very much am of the present kind of person. The only thing that I allow myself to worry about the future is a pension plan. I put money, every money into my pension scheme so that I have some money in the future so that I can, can continue doing the things that I love. Don't live in the future? Or like, for example, do you know how time management tells you that the best thing for you to do is for you to divide your time in blocks and do things little by little every time? I find that with regards to life works really well, too. Instead of creating a huge thing, a huge block for a year, five years of where you want to go, you create smaller blocks of where what you want to do this week and next week and next week. And that slowly becomes your future because you're doing the present, the things that you already love. And if you don't, maybe that's what you need to do instead of thinking, oh, what do I do to achieve my dreams? Is that what do I do right now to make myself happy right now? And then that eventually will become your dream or that eventually will lead you to what you think might be your dream. So, yes, your advice is basically Sheila Buff. Just do it. Yes, you can. That is my favorite motivational video. I found out about this video about two weeks ago for the first time when one of my coworkers showed it to me. It's perfect. That's my advice if that's helpful to anyone. Let's all go live our dreams today. say a person wanted to start reading more space opera where should that person start please give three books i'm asking for a friend okay well i'm gonna get four books okay so to get started with space opera for your friend your friend is already ahead of the game because the first book that i would recommend is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. It is low-key, feel-good space opera with great team dynamics and development of character relationships. There's a subtle political plot, but it's mostly about how the characters engage with each other to deal with that plot rather than engaging external players. And I think it is a great starting point. Your friend may have already read this book. I think she has. And I think she liked it very much. 
It also has a sequel, A Closed and Common Orbit. I have not read that yet, but I want to. My my friend has, and my friend loved it. Well, then, the next one I would recommend is the complete flip of that, Down Below Station by C.J. Cherry. was my first book by Cherry. It is a slow burn political thriller about controlling a space station amid a brewing war. And this is definitely a book that rewards really careful reading. It's part of her Company Wars series. So if you love it, there is way more universe to play around in after you finish this book. And you'll know really quickly if the prose is going to work for you. It's really dense. And it reminds me a lot of Kate Elliott, actually, her writing. So if you want easy, quick reveals, this poem probably won't work for you. But if you kind of like epic fantasy in space... I think that this would be a good option. And it's kind of like that classic space opera. It kind of takes you back so you can see what was kind of going on in that time period. The next is Unpredictable. Is it a John Scalzi novel? It is. Old Men's War by John Scalzi is a really, really great place to start. Uh, Although I'm probably biased because this is both where I made my triumphant return to science fiction and also my introduction to literary space opera. Before this book, I was mostly focused on TV and film for space opera. But Scalzi is great. His books are really fun. The prose is super quick and readable. And he does excellent space politics. The one complaint someone might make is that his characterization is pretty weak. And everyone is awfully quippy. So they sound too much like him. And I tend to agree with his earlier works. But I think if you like Scalzi's blog, you'll probably like his space opera. Um, It's just really entertaining to read. Omen's War is the start of a series, so there's plenty more if you like it. And the last one is Leviathan Wakes by James S.A. Corey. It's the start of the Expanse series, which is my favorite this year. And I know I should be gung-ho about all the books, but unfortunately Leviathan Wakes is the weakest book in the series, and that's a bummer because it's also the first. I really want to wreck Caliban's War, a second book, which has a really great SF thriller plot and excellent characters. So if you're willing to work off a summary and accept some question marks, you can read Caliban's War first. But if you need all your ducks in a row, you should start with The Last of the Wakes. Just breathe deeply through all Holden sections because Caliban's War is worth it. Okay. And I will also be reading like Hello Space Opera in 2017, so I will soon have even more recommendations. I'm looking forward to that. Your friend is looking forward to that. Oh, oh, oh. And that's the end of this round of Question Tuesday. Anna, thanks for answering questions with me this week. Well, thank you for... No, actually not thank you. That was a really difficult question, Renee. Oh. Well, thank you anyway, because you were lovely. Thank you. If you would like to ask us a question, you can ping us on any of our social media. And there's also now a form to send in questions that you can find in our show notes. And just as a reminder, our annual survey closes on December 31st. So if you want to get in your response to the annual survey, you have only a few days left. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. A huge thanks to uh, It Just Ear on Twitter for our awesome art, as usual. And our music this week is by Boxcat Games and Cheeky Music. Their tracks can be found in our show notes. For more of us during the week, find us on Twitter at Fango Podcast. And as always, Space Bees, thanks for listening. See you next episode.
yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true.